0: Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Kathy. Tobin. I realized the other day that I, like, never hear you talk about your siblings. That's
1: because I don't have any. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I've got an older sister, a year older than me, and I've got a younger brother, about four years younger than me. I can never remember how old he is. Maybe 28. My family is just not very close. Like, I talk to my brother maybe once every other month. He'll periodically text me for random advice, such as... Where do I buy designer jeans? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And with my sister, we don't know each other very well because I'm not proud of this, Tobin. We got into a fight in middle school. Mm -hmm. I can't remember now for the life of me what the fight was about. But I was in a phase where if I didn't like somebody, I pretended they did not exist in my life.
0: Yeah, I like how you say phase as if it came to an end.
1: (laughs) It did. It did come to an end. I don't know what happened, but I just didn't talk to her for the next, like,
0: 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. Like, 10 years of just not acknowledging each other at all.
1: Yeah. I'm working on it. Mm -hmm. When it's family dinner time, we talk. Yeah. I ask her about her dog, who I love. I really love the dog. But, you know... (laughs) To be fair, I feel like my parents should have put an end to it, but they did not. (sighs)
0: Okay, blame it on the parents. From WNYC WNYC
2: Studios, Studios, this is Nancy Nancy. with your hosts, Tovin Lowe and Kathy Tu.
0: I can't believe you didn't speak to your sister for 10 years. That's such a long time.
1: I know, I know, but... Like, we're still sisters, and we're always going to be sisters. And it's like, in that kind of relationship, you just grow apart, and you come back together. And it it just evolves. Mm. So, perfect example, we had the story come in from radio producer Abby Holtzman. Ready?
3: I feel like doing this while driving is kind of dangerous.
1: No, it's fine. This is Abby and her brother Josh. When they were teenagers, they just did not get along.
3: Why were you so grumpy all, um, all those years back?
4: I was going through my own stuff, trying to figure out who I was, feeling like I didn't fit in, wasn't feminine enough, and just like having that be part of the things that made me feel isolated. Um, but yeah, I think I also felt that you got a lot more attention and that our parents just like were way more interested in you and everything you
3: did and... Yeah, I remember I, I, I had a lot of social trouble back then and... Uh, and, you know, uh, despite all those troubles, you know, I I thought I was also getting too much attention. I didn't really see that anything was up with me until a little later, but... Uh,
4: so what would you say is up with you?
3: I think I've always just had a little trouble socially with that, uh, you know, connecting. Um,
4: and what did you think I was like?
3: You, you always just seemed almost always angry or annoyed at something um most of the time it was me though i think uh, part i think that was partially justified although there there were some, some times sometimes when i was just wasn't doing anything and he just kind of took out a lot of stuff on me
1: so eventually abby goes away to college and comes out as queer starts wearing suit jackets flannel shirts that kind of stuff a couple years later josh actually comes out too but they still don't think they have that much in common until a few thanksgiving's
4: ago I was really excited to show up at my family's Thanksgiving gathering, and so I put on this outfit, my favorite outfit at the time. It was, like, this suit jacket, this pinstripe suit, and these, like, cool pants and these green shoes. And I show up, and there are, like, 35 relatives sitting there. And I go to hug my brother, and he's also wearing, like, a suit jacket. And my mom in front of everyone, she's like,
3: you're my androgynous twins, or something like that, right?
4: Yeah, it's like, here they are, my androgynous twins. And I was like, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> it was it was super embarrassing because I felt, like, just suddenly self-conscious in a way that I hadn't been before. But, I don't know, I kind of started liking it. Like I liked being able to to be androgynous and, like, break those rules.
1: If you see a picture of Abby and Josh now... It's not just that they wear the same clothes. They look like actual twins. Same curly brown hair, same nose, same eyes. It's uncanny.
4: We've been called, you know, hey boys, what do you want to order at a restaurant? Or like, boys, you know, seat yourselves in a movie theater or something. But we went to a Brandy Carlisle concert and we both showed up in like matching plaid button downs. And the woman who was taking our tickets said, do you remember what she said? She said, uh, come on in ladies. Yeah. that felt good to me. I think looking alike made us feel closer and do more things together, and so I don't think that it was ever a proxy for closeness, but I do think it was the beginning of a much longer journey.
3: Now we're both able to kind of laugh at each other for who we were and, and, and able to move on, you know?
4: <laughs> do you remember when we started talking about ourselves as a superhero team?
3: I think I think that was me because because like the androgynous twins sounded sort so like 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 you, like you remember like the old types of shows like like, like the Wonder Twins.
4: Do you remember when you, we started going to each other and doing a fist bump from what we would say?
3: Androgynous, androgynous twins, twins unite! unite.
1: That was Abby and Josh Holtzman. Abby is a radio producer in Washington D.C. Josh is in his first semester at Oberlin College. Coming up after the break, we talked to maybe the most famous pair of queer siblings out there, Tegan and Sarah.
0: We had such an amazing conversation with them. We talked about revisiting one of their breakthrough albums. Being
1: part of the lesbian
2: canon.
0: Oh, and making sure people know they are queer as hell.
2: I hate when people will say, you're just like us, you're just normal like straight people, and I'm like, fuck normal, I'm not normal. I'm anti-normal. Nancy will be back
4: in a minute.
1: And we're back.
0: We are back with such an exciting interview.
1: Yeah, we got to talk to queer superstars, Tegan and Sarah.
0: Mother fudging, Tegan and Sarah.
1: All I want to get is a little bit closer. All I want to know is can you come a little closer? Honestly, where do we even start with Tegan and Sarah? I mean, they're twin sisters from Canada who have their own indie pop band.
0: And for close to 20 years, they've been some of the most visibly queer musicians out there. So this year is the 10th anniversary of their breakthrough album, The Con, which brought them from Canadian obscurity into the mainstream.
1: And we are very big fans.
0: Very big fans. Yeah. So when we heard they were passing through New York a couple weeks back, we jumped at the opportunity to talk with them.
1: We met them in their dressing room backstage, which was really more of a trailer in the parking lot of City Field. Mm-hmm. And because our producer, Matt, made us turn off the AC to get, quote unquote, better sound, it quickly became a very hot
0: trailer.
5: Oh There's five of us God, in this room, like but three dying. of you, you're all visibly sweating,
0: you're dripping sweat, and notice, like, you describe you, us. You guys sp- are, like, pristine. You are photo ready right now. I don't now. know
5: what to tell you, we just don't sweat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I realized we didn't have you introduce yourselves.
5: On- oh. Um, This is Tegan, and I'm
1: Sarah.
0: Can we talk about the con a little bit? Yeah. So you guys are coming up on the 10-year anniversary. I'm wondering what has changed for you in the 10 years since that album?
2: Uh, nothing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's one of those things where, I mean, just, just from a professional standpoint, it's an interesting record to reflect on because for me it was a tremendously... Depressing time, and I think not uncommon to probably most folks in their late twenties. Where um, I always like to sum it up as saying, like, just death and taxes. You know, like all of a sudden we were starting to have a foothold in our career, but that was incredibly stressful in terms of financial and sort of monetary expectations and responsibilities. And I think a lot of that made it into the the sort of like general feelings of of, of I don't know sadness, melancholy that sort of permeates that record. So. Um, How has that changed? I mean, I don't know that it's necessarily changed, but in the 10 years, I think we certainly have developed like coping strategies. Have your fans changed? That's a good question. They're older. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I think, you
5: know, this is our, this record that we're touring right now is our eighth record. And this is our 19th year being like an official signed band. I think our audience, a lot of those core people I think are still with us, even if they aren't, able to see a million shows or they're not following us as religiously online because they grew up and have families and lives and stuff but I do think that a lot of the core people are there and I see them and I feel their essence still in 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 the audience
0: I'm wondering like for the two of you I think part of the intimacy part of your fans claiming you so hard is like you are in this lesbian canon of like you know, stuff that is part of, like, the rite of passage. Yeah, is that,
1: is that weird to be part... You're up there with the L word. <laughs> <laughs> Proudly.
0: Proudly. <laughs> I wonder what that feels like now, especially as, like, you're talking about people demand more of, like, tell me about your life. Let me, like, see all the Instagrams and the tweets, and it just gets, like, really intense. I,
2: I mean, I'll be honest. In 20 years, we we go through phases. Like, I think in the beginning that sort of possessiveness or that sort of what often felt like actually being sort of like marginalized or sort of like put in this gay box or whatever it was actually was something we resisted. And I think that was less about not wanting to connect with our queer fans or a lack of pride or something about being queer. I think it was more about, oh no, we don't want to be just another band that couldn't break into the mainstream. But as our audience has diversified, but like in in fact, I find that With that increased visual visibility and, you know, being able to go on TV or radio or whatever in ways that we weren't able to um, 10 years ago, now I feel like I want to play with my persona in a different way and I want to talk about being queer all the time. Because I think when we were, like, in the underground, I was like, yeah, 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 we're queer. God, who cares? We're in the underground. Like, (laughs) here's a shit, you know? Whereas now that when we're in the mainstream, I don't want to assimilate. And I don't want to, st- I hate when people will say, you're just like us, you're just normal, like straight people. And I'm like, fuck normal, I'm not normal. I'm anti-normal. In fact, I feel like I've become much more rigid about about not uh, not checking those boxes. And I want to be as gay as I can be, really. There's definitely
5: um, a heightened interest in knowing more about us. And I think social media has definitely put a lot of pressure on artists in general. Like, there's a lot more prying which I think as you become a bigger artist, people are interested in the layers underneath the music. And I'm so jealous of artists who are like, I refuse to talk about the meanings of my songs. You do your homework, listen to it. What does it mean to you? You know, I love that. We can't do that. We're already too far in. Like, it just <laughs> seemed insane for us to be like, you know what, the 19th and our record. We're not going to do any interviews. People will be like, what is happening? Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, are fans, right? Like they want to know who we're dating and what our relationships like are, and Sarah and I have had to set boundaries internally, like as our band has grown and, and the visibility has increased, we've had to, without appearing closed to, to sort of take some steps back and say, hold on a second, just because some artists are willing to reveal everything about themselves doesn't mean we have to, there has to be a part of us that remains private. And, um... And I agree with Sarah, we don't want to normalize us because I like, the thing I love about being queer is that I do feel different than everybody else and I love that and embrace that. But we've had to learn how to like expose enough of ourselves to, to make you feel like you've got to know us without sharing too much and keeping this other part of us.
0: So I'm curious in this, um, this moment where you're sort of deciding what you will and won't talk about, is that different for the two of you? So like Tegan, are there things that you would rather keep private Sarah, are there things that you would you want to talk about more? You know, how does that differ for the two of you?
5: I think that there actually are things that, that are different between us and we definitely have talked about it. A couple of those things I would never even disclose what they are, but we've definitely had boundary talks about what we are comfortable with. Like this last album a lot of the songs that Sarah had contributed, she talked about our relationship and struggles that we've had as siblings being in a band together for 20 years, which I'm really comfortable with. Um, but we talked about it beforehand about where we were, like what kind of disclosures we were, were comfortable with. For me, I've had my privacy, like I've had the line crossed much more than Sarah for whatever reason that there, I seem to attract the more um, obsessive and or have just been the one that's been accessed more and, like, had a lot of people imitating me and and carrying on relationships online pretending to be me and catfishing in my name. So I tend to be, even more than I've ever been, more paranoid. And I... um, share very
2: little I like a- i'm a more complex version so it's harder to it's hard to it's harder to <laughs> yeah. um to duplicate me you know, they're like sarah's definitely more prickly like let's go with
5: tegan she's friendlier <laughs> you know what I, was, I was thinking about this recently sarah does share like sarah's got two cats and sarah's a little more open she's been in a lo- much longer relationship you know um committed partnership and so they do know a little more about her and i wonder if that's made them while well, sarah's considered to be more quiet or more introverted by some of the fans, like they do have more of a picture of what her life looks like. And I wonder if the pulling back that I've done systematically over the years because of some of the people imitating and whatever, like I I feel like I've become a little more secretive or a little more like stoic about like, I'm not going to let people in. And I wonder if that just causes more like, ah, we want to know more, which is crazy because I see myself as an open book, but
2: I definitely feel like for me, there are things that I've just drawn the line at. I I think at some point I will want to talk more maybe it'll maybe it'll take a different form like maybe it won't be music it'll be a book or something but like I want to talk about my life I don't want to make stupid artistic contributions that don't dig beneath the surface and sometimes unfortunately the collateral damage of that is the people who were in your life and making decisions and doing things I always want to do it in a respectful way and I don't always know that I did it in a consensual way in some of my music and art. But I am trying really hard to without saying oh, I'm gonna neuter myself and not talk about things.
5: You guys must relate deeply. I mean, you talk incredibly oh personally on your own I mean, with your about your families and your experience. I mean, you must understand.
1: Yeah. I was thinking like, let's take some tips <laughs> and, uh, um, before anything weird happens.
0: Well, I feel like we when we talk about personal stuff, I mean, um it, it must be similar to writing a song that you you are also still curating a little bit. sure of like. Yeah here's the story, but I'm going to tell you the version of the story that I am interested in telling you.
2: By the way, I always say that to my mom. I'm like, ugh, I mean, I could have told the real details. (laughs) Like, I mean, I gave, like, a very Reader's Digest version of what happened. But, like, the reality is, is that, and I really believe this, and this is where I sort of draw the line. I believe as artists or as people who are putting things into the world, I would rather put something ugly and upset people and have it be true than curate something to the point where what even is it? Is it fiction now because it's just like completely sanitized? Well, like wait, Maybe what it really comes down to, too,
5: is, is that what is the intention? And I think ultimately whether it's a book or a podcast or a story or a radio show or, or a tale on stage or a song – if the intention is to connect, if the intention is, you know, catharsis, if the intention is to inspire, then I think it's okay. I mean, and the boundary changes and always will. And our families and friends and everyone else will just have to accept it, you know. But if the intention, of course, is to, is to create an experience that is not honest and true, well, then, then you have work to do after the fact.
1: Megan and Sarah are sisters, musicians, and queer icons. We'll post some very sweaty pictures of the four of us backstage on all our social media channels.
0: I would say that we are glistening.
1: Okay, sure. Sure.
0: You can find us at Nancy Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all the places. And now, it is credits time. Our producer. Matt Collette.
1: Sound designer.
0: Jeremy Bloom. Intern. Elizabeth D.
1: Editor. Jenny Lawton. Executive producer.
0: Paula Schumann.
1: I'm Kathy Too.
0: I'm Tobin Lowe.
1: And Nancy is a production of WNYC Studios.
0: Were you here when Matt found out that Sabrina is being rebooted as a dark spinoff? You mean, he, did I
1: hear Matt make a noise I've never heard him make before?
0: It was as if... All of the air got sucked out of the office. Yeah. <gasps> <laughs> it was the gay gasp heard around the world.